Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, Falcoholic Podcast listeners. This is Kevin Knight, host of the Falcoholic Live and frequent writer on thefalcoholic.com bringing you now an episode of our live video show, The Falcoholic Live, which is normally on YouTube in podcast audio-only format for the first time in a while. So if you're ever interested in watching The Falcoholic Live but you weren't able to catch the show live on YouTube, you can now get it here as an audio-only podcast. So uh, buckle up for this episode, which is episode 112, where we will be breaking down The Falcons' final roster, our predictions, and all of that. That good stuff. Thank you very much for tuning in and enjoy the show. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 112 of the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight, joined by a group of co-hosts slash guests. Really, you know, the line is blurred at this point. Uh, so we got a we got a whole host of people. That that's the, the message I'm trying to send. So joining us right now, we've got Eric Robinson. He's on Twitter. At underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, guys. I'm doing well. We're one step closer to the season. Yep, we are almost there. Within striking distance at this point. So that is exciting. Also with us tonight, Adnan Ikic. Adnan, how are you this evening? I'm doing very well. We're about eight days away from that first Thursday night with the Chiefs and the Texans. Yep. So, yeah. you know, tantalizingly right close, there, right? Yeah. Tantalizing. So close yet so far right now. Um, <laughs> Can't wait to it, see Bill O'Brien get embarrassed. Ooh, yeah. Until- yeah. Hey, I mean, I, I'm a Clyde Edwards Hilaire truther in fantasy <laughs> football, so I especially can't wait for that first game, but it's wild. Next week's show will be a week one preview. Yeah, yeah, we're almost there. I mean, it, it seems like it's been so sudden, right? Because there's no preseason. There's been no, like, oh, warm-up yeah. period. It's just like, all right, well, I guess there's games now. So, I mean, I'm happy about it. Uh, we're all happy about it here. We're going to do our final roster predictions. We're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming season, all that good stuff. There's already been a question about Mohamed Sanu in the chat, so we're obviously going to have to address that. There's no escaping Mohamed Sanu. Uh, Kyle Laletta got signed today. We'll talk about that briefly. But uh, for the most part, it's going to be roster talk, and we're going to, you know, give our thoughts on how we feel about this team heading into the season here. Uh, We're also going to be joined in a little bit by uh, former Falcons guard Keenan Forney, basically a a co-host at this point. He will be dropping in whenever he gets home uh, from his NFL player activities, whatever he's up to. Uh, And then Evan Birchfield also later the show will be coming on, so look for him. But until then, we have a great trio here. We're going to jump right in. Let's talk about... This Mohamed Sanu buzz, obviously the Patriots uh, cutting Sanu before final roster cuts. Um, and basically they would they would probably doing the same thing that the Falcons would have done at this point uh, in the season uh, if they had kept Sanu, which was 
save six and a half million by moving on from him. It's just an extravagant price tag for what Sanu kind of brings at this point in his career. Still a good wide receiver three, but it seems like the Patriots were expecting him to be more like a really good wide receiver two. And he just never was really able to deliver on that for them. Um, but now that he's not making that kind of money anymore, he could potentially wind up back in Atlanta for significantly less if he was willing to take that. So, uh, Adnan, I'll, I'll let you get the first crack at this one. What do you think the chances are of a Sanu reunion here? Would you be interested in that? What do you think? I mean, if it's at the right price and the Falcons don't really have money to be throwing around right now for another wide receiver, yeah, I mean, I'd be down, but it wouldn't be the Mohamed Sanu of old in regard to his role uh, last year as like the wide receiver three. I think Russell Gage at this stage of his career has earned uh, the right to be the wide receiver three. I think Russell Gage would be ahead of Sanu in the, in the depth chart. Uh, I think Sanu would have to come in as a wide receiver four and he would probably replace Laquan Treadwell um, because I think the team really likes Alameda Zacchaeus uh, mm -hmm. in his role. Uh, so it's definitely one where if it's a, at the right price, I could see it. If you gave me a percentage of like, I, I would say like 25% chance that it happens. There's plenty of wide receiver needy teams out there uh, who would have more incentive to sign him than the Atlanta Falcons do. But I do want to say that trade was an absolute heist <laughs> that Thomas Dimitrov pulled off. Yeah. You got a second round pick from Mohamed Sanu last year. You had Gage ready to just step right into that role. You had uh, Calvin Ridley ready to step into that wide receiver two role. And, I mean, you got a second rounder and you got your tight end, your starting tight end out of it. So, you know, as as much heat as we give Dimitrov, deservedly so, for some of what he's done, uh, especially last year with that Jamal Brown contract, the James Carpenter contract, the Brandon Busco contract. You can just list them all off right now. But... That, that was an extravagant move, and it was a great move at the time, and now it looks even better in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the Falcons' revenge for the Super Bowl, right? I mean, it's not great, but at least we got something back from the Patriots. So uh, I would have rather had the Super Bowl. I would have rather had the Super Bowl, but, you know, uh, you know, we can't we can't change anything. You know, Dimitrov realized this was his one chance to get, get one over on Belichick. So uh, good on you, Dimitrov, for, for getting well. The getting was good with Mohamed Sanu. Uh, Eric, you have any any thoughts on this potential Mohamed Sanu reunion? You know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind it. You know, I I'm not going to sit here and say that they should go and sign him. They should bring him back. That he deserves to be on a team. But the, if if the team wants to bring that sense of comfort back onto the roster into the locker room, I wouldn't be against it. You know, and and I I think people are reading too much into the name and what his former role was. I think in a situation like this where he's a year older um, and they already are full-fledged into having Ridley literally be, you know, the sidekick to Julio, I, I think people are reading into it too much and they're believing that a, a healthy Sanu back in the locker room is going to take looks and targets away from Ridley. That's not going to be the case. I mean, even if he's on the roster, they still will have to play him in order for him to take the targets. And I don't think he's going to get more playing time than Calvin Ridley or even Russell Gage at this point. I just feel comfortable with, with the wide receiver four role. I think what he can do at this particular point in his career and how familiar he is with the scheme, with the team, with the locker room, 
I think he will fit in that particular role really, really well, better than what Laquan Treadwell can bring to the table. Because from what I'm hearing, and I'm sure you guys uh, definitely heard the same, you know, Treadwell's on a bubble. He's not a guarantee to yeah. make the run by week one. So why not fill that void with a guy like Sanu who can – I don't care what anybody says. Sanu can help in the run game, okay? Mm-hmm. They want to run the ball this year, especially the outside, outside zone. Sanu can help in that phase along with, you know, just guiding along Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley to an extent. Um, He's also a great third down receiver. Absolutely. And he can give them, he can give them a, a particular package with the, with the West, with the Wildcat. Yeah. Very yeah. well can't give him that. So, I mean, it's still, it's to me, I think it would be worth it. And, and I don't, you know, you and I were talking about this before the show, Kevin, but I, I think Atlanta would be the team that Sanu would come to and say, you know what? I'll give you guys a discount as far as a possible salary. You know, I, I think he may, you know, may well come aboard and, and take a cool million dollars from Atlanta and say, sure, I'll be wide receiver for a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, basically what Sanu brings is I don't think he's going to, like, walk back into the wide receiver three role. I think they do like Russell Gage in that slot role. But what Russell Gage probably doesn't bring is, like, a real good red zone presence. Um you know, because si- like when you get down to the red zone, size becomes a much bigger deal, um, and that was what Sanu brought to this offense as that third guy. He was a very good red zone weapon for Matt Ryan, a reliable target, caught you know his fair share of touchdowns here, even alongside Julio. Um, so I think that's basically where Muhammad Sanu would have a bigger role, uh, maybe short yardage and and red zone type stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, like Laquan Treadwell has apparently been you know relatively disappointing, like he may or may not make the team outside of Treadwell. Like they don't really have anyone with size. Like it's, it's, you know, not like Ridley is short, but he's not, you know, he's six one, he's not six three plus. So, you know, in terms of size, it's Julio. And then, you know, maybe Christian Blake, like if a Quan Treadwell doesn't make the roster, it's probably Christian Blake is the size guy. And he's, I think like six two. Um, so, you know, there's not a lot of size there outside of Julio. So adding a guy like Sanu to kind of take on that, that niche in the offense, I think makes a lot of sense, especially if the price is is low like like you were saying like i, I mean I, there's not really a downside to it if he's willing to sign for a very affordable deal already knows the offense not like he's gonna have any problem adjusting you know back to things so um yeah i think it makes sense if the price is right um you know i do think it's also possible he could wind up in san francisco you know that was a, a place that uh you know shanahan had been rumored to have been in on that trade as well but didn't offer as much as the patriots so that'll be interesting to see where he ends up signing or if he signs, you know, early. But uh, I like Sanu. You know, I was a, I was a fan of his while he was here. Uh, he does offer a lot as a run blocker and um, clearly still got something in the tank, you know, struggled with injuries after he got traded. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was mostly a financial thing for the Patriots with him. I don't know that it wasn't yeah. that he's, like, he's no longer good or something. Um, yeah, and I, I, guess fans, I guess fans assumed that the trade was because he was, quote-unquote, washed or whatever. Um, to me, that's kind of hard to believe. I think the trade, <laughs> and you guys will probably agree with me here, I think the trade had a lot more to do with the fact that the Patriots were offering a second-round pick. Like, who wouldn't trade that? Any, I, I would have done that in a heartbeat. If uh, I the, Fal- the Falcons were also like one in seven at the time. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So it wasn't. It was, I don't think it was a situation where it's like, okay, we don't have any. You know, Sanu doesn't have it anymore. He's washed up. Let's get rid of him. No, you got to look at the circumstances. 
They got a second round pick and they had one win on the season. All 32 teams would have pulled that trade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, second round pick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they should have traded more guys, right? Like they should, right. they should trade Freeman. They should trade, you know, they, they should have traded Hooper. Like, I mean, they should have, they should have traded a lot of guys. Yeah, they wouldn't have that dead money on the books. If they traded Hooper to the Lions when they had a chance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but they wouldn't, and they also wouldn't have had that dead money on the books if they would have traded Trufant as well. Well, yeah. Um, Preaching to the choir here, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they waited. They waited to the season to cut them, and then they had to eat that dead money. But you know, it was just it's you know that's that's neither here nor there at this point. But yeah, I wouldn't mind it, man. If, if that's what they want to do, they want to bring Sanu back for that veteran wide receiver four role. I'm cool. I'm with it. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up, let's briefly discuss Kyle Laletta. Just got added. Eric, I'll give you the first shot at this one. Do you think he's someone that's going to, like, threaten for a roster spot? Is this a sign of anything with Shaw Benkert, or is this kind of just like a practice squad stash and they just want to bring him in? Arm. Yeah. Practice squad arm, Danny Etling replacement. Yeah, Danny Etling replacement. That's it. Not, not you know, stealing Kurt Benkert, you know, away nope. from us. They're, they're not, you know, hating Kurt Benkert now. Nope. I think Kurt Benkert is – Kurt Benkert has a future in Atlanta. I don't know if he's going to be a starter, but I, I you can you can make a convincing case that he's QB two next year. Yeah, I he mean, may, I think he, so. Yeah, I think he may he, he may have been QB two this year if there was a preseason. Right, he might have been. Yeah, good point there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's... I remember the the best part of that terrible Hall of Fame game that uh, me and Kevin were. We're doing play-by-play for last year was that uh, was Kurt Benkert coming in and slinging it. Yeah, I mean, I missed that. Yeah, that was fun. I still can't believe we sat through that game. He looked, he looked confident, man. He was, he was. You, you can tell that something he was developing as a QB. But yeah, I'm, I feel bad. You guys had to sit through that as well, man. That was. Right. That was like I mean, that, that's one of those where you're just so starved for football, where you, you just like. You just pretend like it's not terrible. Well, take it take it from me, okay? I was in I was in the Middle East at that time. Yeah. So I had to wake up at like three AM to watch that game. But at least you guys didn't have to go through that. Right. That's true. That that's uh, very fair. Yeah. <laughs> I woke up before the sun came up to watch that atrocity. So yeah. Yeah. yeah to, to watch Matt Chobb slinging the ball to Christian Blake as right. his wide receiver one. Yep, yep, sure Ooh, did. Christian, yeah that that was a rough that was a rough preseason last year. It was not not a lot of uh, you know. Hope. Uh, well, we broke the curse though. We did, yeah, loss. yeah, we did. We got out of that, so that was exciting. You know, the curse of what? The like, I think we oh. lost like ten straight preseason games, right? Oh or something yeah, like that. Uh, it, it's so funny watching like Falcons Twitter melt down over like losing the Hall of Fame game. Ah, <laughs> oh, rabble, rabble, rabble! Fire Dan Quinn, you know. Like he should have gotten fired for going one and seven in the regular season, not for going, you know, oh, Kevin, one and let eleven. It go. Let it go. Oh man. Let it Put go, it back man. in the deck. Yeah. <laughs> uh I mean I'm I'm with you, Kevin. I I sat through that post game show just like with rabies in my mouth just uh after that Titans loss, just saying it. Dan Quinn should be gone. Yeah. But you know, uh, I I knew the I knew the inevitable was going to be second half turnaround was going to be there and and Quinn be saved. Yeah, is where we are. 
Yeah, you know. Can't wait for it to happen again. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a good, you know, talking about shopping bank, that's a good, that's a good segue into our, uh, into our, hey, what's up? I think it is. Is that Keenan? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Keenan in, in the darkness. He's in, he's in, a, he's in a car. He's, he's oh, yeah, he's in the car. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, that's dedication. <laughs> Hello, what's, what's up, y'all? What's going on? Hey, how you doing, man? Hey, Keenan. <laughs> oh no, he can't hear us. He this can't. is the kind. This is this is the, the advantage of doing a live show, as opposed to right. you know recording. Because you don't get yeah, you don't get the raw unfiltered. Con- yeah. Hey, you there? Can you hear us, bud? He's about to. <laughs> He's about to curse his phone out. Some shade thrown yeah, to uh, the Collegeaholic podcast, by the way, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna send him. I'm gonna send him a message saying that we can hear him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How do I get? Yes. So yeah, this is yeah. This is what I'm saying. This is like the advantage of 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 live show as opposed to recorded because you guys, you know, you, you don't get the full story. I'll be the. I'll be the beat. Okay, just in case I hear <laughs> But at any rate, yeah, I mean, this is a good a good opportunity to to segue into our roster discussion. Uh, and talking about quarterback, that's the first spot on the roster that really might have some sort of contention. You know, uh, obviously Matt Ryan going to make the roster. Yeah, we, we've got to get Matt Ryan out of here. Yeah, that bum. You know, uh, but. The, the talk about Matt Shaw versus Kurt Benkert, are they going to keep two? Are they going to keep three? You know, what are we thinking there? Um, so, let's see who was last. I think Eric went first last time. So, it'll be Adnan yeah. this time. Adnan, what do you think about the, the quarterbacks they're going to keep on the roster? Do you think they're going to keep two, three? Who's ending up on the practice squad? What, do, what are your thoughts there? Uh, I think they'll end up keeping three. Uh, they're paying Matt Shaw too much money for him to not be uh, the QB2. Uh, they just re-signed him. I think Kurt Benkert is too good oh. to be on the practice squad. So uh, I think if they stash Kurt Benkert on the practice squad, someone else may scoop him up. So that's why I think that they'll uh, they'll go into it with at least three this year. And uh, Laoletta will probably be a practice squad stash and the Danny Etling replacement. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. I, I think I have been keeping three as well. Um, because mostly because of COVID, because you know I think that they're just going to be more cautious about just needing extra bodies at quarterback, and like you said, Lalletta's probably a practice squad guy too. Eric, you have any thoughts on that uh, quarterback group? No, nah, man. I, you know, it's I uh, I still don't understand why they brought back Shaw, but it is what it is. <laughs> he had that <laughs> 460 yard performance, Eric. Whatever. Hey, I'm still not over them uh, cutting Patrick DeMarco for my job back in like 2017. Well, you're right about that. Good point there. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, they're they're pretty solid in that in that aspect, and I I think I think Ben Kurt has a a future in Atlanta. You're you're starting to see a little bit here and there from him, um, and and he's a he's a nice prospect to keep. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think like as long as 
Benkert continues to just, you know, do well in practice and meeting rooms and stuff, like, he's going to stick around. And I, maybe 2021 is when we'll finally see him, like, actually take over quarterback, too. Because without preseason, it's just it's hard to, like, be that comfortable, you know, with, with him, giving the reins over to someone like him. Um, despite how good he may be in practice, like, just very little actual NFL game experience under his belt. And it's just... While he's probably the future, I understand, you know, the trepidation of the team, especially in a year like this, to kind of just roll with him as, like, the guy behind Matt Ryan at this point. So, yeah. uh, Schaub is 39 years old, uh, probably still got one more season in him. Hopefully we don't have to have him play, uh, but, you know, it's good good insurance, good backup. Um, you say so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that one Seahawks game was, like, that probably bought him like at least two years in, in the league. That one game last season. So. Hey, Matt Flynn against the Lions in Week 17 got no. himself like 24 uh, million dollars once. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, really? Matt Flynn. Don't don't forget. You know. <laughs> all right. Hey, so remember, as a backup quarterback, quarterback, that's all you need is one good game. Oh, can you hear us now? You, you're on- yeah, buddy. What's going on? Hey, how you doing, man? <laughs> hey, how y'all doing? What's up, y'all? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're doing good. We're, much, man. we're doing pretty good, man. Glad yeah, to see no, you. Nothing like some backup quarterback talk to, you know, get, know, get right? the juices flowing. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Good to see you. Good to see you, Adnan. We missed you a couple weeks ago. Eric, hey, how I'm, you doing, man? I'm ready for the season to start, man. I miss I miss football drastically. I need it's been I need, too long. I know that's right. I need my fix. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I saw. I saw you kind of getting after some people on Twitter a little bit, man. I was like, man, Ooh, me? Like oh, <laughs> no, not me. Yeah, I usually do that. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. Only when they attack me, man. I don't bother anybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to uh, disrupt the, the talk. Oh, no, Keep going. Good. I'm sorry. No, 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 you're good. good. You're good. Yeah, yeah. Your, your, your insight on the the, the quarterback depth chart right now we're, i mean we're just doing a, a quick roster breakdown um because you know this is this is the week that that cuts are here so final cuts are made by saturday at four right kevin yep saturday at four yep. so you know keenan if you got some you know some input on you know the quarterback depth chart what, what you got uh i like the fact who, who was the kid that we just signed here the other day what was that yesterday i believe uh, and that, what does that give us Lawletta? yeah that's the, yeah that would yeah. be the fourth guy yeah <laughs> Boy, man, what, I was gonna ask like, what is that about? Do they is Matt sick or what? You know what I mean? Like, we got four guys; they usually need <sighs> three. Right? I, yeah. We we think we think Loletta is more of the practice squad arm, and you know, and and he's probably gonna replace Danny Etling, who just was released. LSU legend. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so he's he's probably not gonna see the active. If he sees the active, then we're in trouble. Oh, if he sees the active, then it will have been a long year. We're in, we're in trouble, yeah. <laughs> man, y'all know for those uh, quarterbacks, man, you only need one good game to get out there and somebody will give you about $20 million a year. Right, look at Taysom Hill. <laughs> he's only throwing like eight passes. They may lose Alvin Kamara over it. <laughs> he's only throwing eight passes and he's getting like $16 million a year. He's getting $16 million over the course of this season. Yep. That is incredible. That yeah. is incredible. Wow. God, he's set for life. <laughs> you is, love to see it. Is, you love I've to see NFL players getting theirs, okay? And, and Taysom Hill, man, go get your money, brother. 
Especially at the expense of the Saints. Yeah, especially there, yeah. But, in, you know, <laughs> this is a pro-player podcast, okay? Like, we're always for players going and getting their money. Yeah. Especially get your especially money, when you play on the Saints, yeah. Yeah, hold, hold, hold up for all of it, Alvin. <laughs> yeah, know your worth. Yeah. <laughs> $16 million. Well, speaking of running backs, let's move on to the running back depth chart. Segway. Yeah, nice seg- great seg, well, great seg, yeah. We're segwaying oh, yeah. expertly. Oh, yeah, this is professional-level content right here. All right, so... This might be, like, the easiest to predict group on the roster. I feel like it hasn't changed once over the course of the offseason and the draft. Um, you know, so the, the guys that I have, if you guys haven't checked it out, my roster projection went up on the Falcoholic today. So I'll just list off the guys that I have. It's probably the same guys that you have, probably the same guys that everybody on the show has. Uh, but just for reference, Todd Gurley, starter. Uh, Brian Hill's probably the primary backup for Gurley. Ito Smith's probably the passing down guy. And then Quadri Olsen seems like they really like him. Um, I don't know if he's going to be active on game days unless there's some sort of injury, but I don't think he's going to be cut. And then fullback Keith Smith, he's a core special teams guy. They gave him an extension, so he's not going anywhere either. So, uh, Eric, what do you you think about this death chart? Do you think there'll be any surprises, or is that basically set in stone at this point? No, I I think that's set in stone. You know, of course, Gurley is the the lead horse here in the stable, but... You know, I don't think a lot of people are, are quite familiar with Brian Hill and what he can bring to the table as a running back. And I think he's he's a, a really good compliment to Gurley. Um, we'll see what we can get out of Ito this year. Um, he looks a lot more healthier in training camp. You know, Quadri's he's getting some looks um, in training camp as well. They're pretty they're pretty solid at running back. Um, and and to be to be, you know, to to point out the fact that they, I mean, how many how many tryouts did they give to running backs this offseason? How many guys did they really kick? A the few. I mean, not as they much did. as they usually do, though. They did right, and they but they didn't sign anyone. Yeah. So that goes to show you how comfortable they really were um, in the long run with this group. And I, I think this group is going to be pretty. It's going to be fine this year, as long as you know we can get that stability from the offensive line i think the run game is going to be incredible. yeah but but where does leonard fournette factor into all of this on falcons god damn it Adnan. come on man please no like, I, I i saw that on twitter i'm like how does that work why would you put fournette in this office? well we're gonna we're gonna address the fournette speculation very clearly here in oh, a minute. Kill it, but don't address it. Kill it. Well, by it, that's it what out. I mean by address it. Take, but yeah. take it out to the pastor, <laughs> put it out of his misery, let it go. He's not. No, Ke- Ke- Kevin's gonna leave uh, the room for possibility up there, and some fan is gonna quote him as a source. Like, oh, fuck! Fa- like Kevin said, yep. Fournette's coming. You heard it here for you. Yep. <laughs> no, 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 not even Kevin. Line. Not even Kevin. They'll just say an anonymous source is yeah. saying that, uh, yeah. that the Falcons are in on Fournette. <laughs> <laughs> People, many people are saying. I, I know I wasn't. I know I wasn't the only one that saw that the other day and was like, "Ooh, how that look?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's like it's it's interesting from like a roster building standpoint, like especially like if they were like lacking depth at running back, but it's, they have like it seems like they aren't. They already are going to keep four guys plus a fullback. So it's like, are, do they want to cut someone like Quadri Olson? You know, do they want to spend more money here? I just. To me, I don't, I don't really see. It. I mean, I, I feel like if they had tons of cap space, like maybe, but 
Oh, it's I, very I, limited. I, I think they can get Leonard for a nice price right now because nobody he clear waivers. Well, yeah, I mean, if he wants to come here for like a million dollars, like I mean, I'll have that conversation. But <laughs> uh, the, I feel like the he thing wants about more. it. Yeah. The thing about it is, if you cut Quadri, then you lose a special teams contributor. So right. then, are you going to have Ito Smith right. in special teams? Because Leonard's not playing uh, special teams. Ryan Hill, I mean, this is he going to be your special teams guy out there? You need if you're going to be. Uh, if you're going to cut Quadra, you need to address special teams as well. Cornette's right. not playing special teams. I think Brian just needs carries. I think he's a he's a really good running back. He just needs carries, man. Yeah, well, he needs like a functional scheme and offensive line, which I think the right. offensive line's going to be there right. this year. I, I the, right. the jury's still out on the scheme, but um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I yeah. So like, I think Fournette wants to be a starter too. So like, I just don't right. like I don't know what he's planning to do there. But like in terms of the depth. Uh, Adnan, do you think basically it's going to be these four guys and the fullback? Uh, exa- exactly, those four guys yeah. in that order. Uh, Von McClure confirmed it too recently that Brian Hill is the next man up if uh, Todd Gurley goes down or something happens. Uh, we thought that that would be a battle between he and Ido Smith. Looks like he won that battle. Uh, you have Ido there, Quadra Ellison. I don't think there's an outside chance that he that they try to stash him on the practice squad but i'm pretty sure another team would scoop him up so i think they'll keep him on the roster and they'll they'll roll with four like they did last year today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you your budget your life your style and if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, and they do have a little bit more flexibility because their returner is probably going to be a wide receiver, like we'll discuss here in a minute. But Keenan, yeah, I know they you... had five. That's a good point. They had five. Last yeah, they had year. five. Keenan yeah, Keenan, did you have any? I, I know you were talking about Fournette a little bit. Did you have any other takes on the running back depth going into the season here? Um, I would love to see how Brian Hill has been playing. I mean, that's the bad thing about not having preseason or being able to go to training camp. I'd love to see because let's be honest, you know, Todd Gurley's been banged up the past couple years mm-hmm. and. He very will. He very could go down, you know. So it's going to be. Is he? Who's it going to be? Is it going to be? Is it going to be him, or is it going to be Allison, or is it going to be Ito? You know. Um, How dare you, as a former NFL player, point out Ty Gurley's knees? Okay. How dare you do that? There's nothing wrong with this man's knees. All right. The Rams and the Falcons are just tripping. Okay. His his knees are healthy. Yeah, uh, didn't hey, we I'm see that speak, video? I'm gonna speak life into. I'm gonna speak life into the knees, and hey, the knees gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna speak life into them. That yes. ain't gonna work. Right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Arthritis ain't going away like that. But take my cartilage, <laughs> Todd Gurley. Take my cartilage. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's. They're, they're gonna. They're gonna need someone that they can truly depend on. Because let's be honest, man. You know, Gurley's. Gurley's not gonna give him 300 carries this year. He may not even give him 250. To be quite honest with you. So yeah. they're gonna need they're gonna need pretty much a one A and one B and and I think Brian Hill can be that solid one B. Yeah, yeah. I mean we'll see like I mean they didn't carry the ball like they didn't have a ton of carries last year, like period. I mean, did they even have two hundred carries as a team like all together last year? I don't think so. I mean I their their so. run I, pass I split was really high, but I know for sure I think Gurley had a career low in carries last year or or it was 
it was his lowest since his rookie year or something like that. He barely got above 200 carries. In, in fairness, I think the Falcons also led the league in pass attempts last they did. year. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. because they were like playing from behind every single right. game because yeah. Yeah. the defense was so terrible in the first half of the season. Yeah, so that's probably going to change uh, in an ideal world at least. So better. Uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But yeah, I think this is probably one of the easier positions to predict and I don't expect a lot of changes there. All right, wide receiver. We go from one of the easy ones to maybe one of the hard ones because there's, you know, a lot of buzz here, a lot of players. Falcons always bring in quality undrafted receivers too. So my six are Julio Jones, big surprise there, I'm sure. Uh, Calvin Ridley, big surprise. Russell Gage, even bigger surprise right now. Those three are pretty much written in pen since like day one, so that's nothing there. I actually have Alameda Zacchaeus as the wide receiver four. I think uh, he's been impressive. I think they like him a lot. Uh, Laquan Treadwell reportedly hasn't been overly impressive, but he's kind of the only guy outside of Christian Blake that has the size they're looking for. Um, so I, I do have Laquan making it as the wide receiver five, but that, that could be one that's close. And then the same reports have said that uh, Chris Rowland, the undrafted guy out of Tennessee State, has been by far the most impressive returner. So he gets to make the roster as the sixth receiver to be the returner. Uh, and I think he'll be an exciting guy to watch. He's an electric returner. Like, whereas Kenyon Barner was like a very just quality returner that's going to get you a high yards per punt return average. He did break that one for a touchdown too, I think. So that's that's great. But he wasn't like an explosive player. Roland's more explosive, so we'll see. He might be a little bit more of a high-risk reward type of returner, so we'll see how that one goes. But uh, I can never remember who went first. Did you go first last time? I I think I went first last time. Okay, so Adnan, give me your your predictions for wide receiver at this point. Um, pretty boring. Pretty much the exact same. <laughs> um, Julio, Calvin, Russell, Russell Gage. I keep raving about him. I keep raving raving about his work ethic to just. Uh, go from being just a specialist taking the sixth round a gunner and if he wanted to he could have had a career just as a special as a special team specialist we've seen it before he's put in the work he's ascended to wide receiver three quicker than I thought he would I thought that his ceiling would be a wide receiver three in the NFL a slot guy but you can see it I think this is year only year three going into it he's already a wide receiver three so the ceiling's even higher than I thought it was. So I wanted to say I'm very proud of Russell Gage. I can't wait to see his maturation and development moving forward. But yeah, Zacchaeus, uh, he he proved himself in that Carolina game last year. They really liked him. He was the undrafted free agent that won the, comp- the heated competition last year. That yeah. was maybe the best part of the preseason last year, that wide receiver competition. Uh, Laquan Treadwell is probably the wide receiver five unless they – possibly look into bringing in Sanu which I still don't think is going to happen but just because Treadwell has that big NFL experience he he's been in the league for years and that's even more important now without a preseason Christian Blake has some experience with the team last year but I think I think Treadwell has has a bit more talent than he does and Chris Rowland he was one of the favorites to win the returner job as soon as we saw him as an undrafted free agent and he's lived up to that bargain so, you know, he's carving out himself a, a niche in the NFL, and he has a chance to really make an impact on the team. Yeah. Keenan, you got any takes on, on this wide receiver group going into the season? Um, I think the same guys that you all said, the locks, of course, but I wouldn't be surprised if they brought back Sanu 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just for that chemistry that he already has with those guys. Boom. And unless he just unless his legs done got old and that's why the Patriots let him go, you know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised at them bringing him back. And yeah. I've heard, of, you know, Laquan, you know, they brought him in. I heard the same thing you guys. He hasn't been overly impressive unless they just decide to keep him as some speed for special teams or something. But, you know, honestly, me, I like to see Sanu back in the Falcons uniform. Man, it feels good to have a former NFL player, like, literally echo your sentiments, man. Like, really, <laughs> yeah, provide- I mean – it provides more credence to it. I really, <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I, uh, I, no, like it's it's true. Like, yeah, I mean, Keenan, we talked about it a little bit before you came on. Like, you know, would it be interesting to see Sanu come back? And like, I think we basically agree with your take. Like, he has the experience here. The team clearly likes him. Dan Quinn clearly likes him. It was a financial. Well, first of all, it was a draft compensation reason they let him go before getting that second round pick. I mean, anyone would make that trade. Um, and then this offseason, it would have been a financial reason that they would have let him go because of his contract. But with financial stuff out the door, now that he might be able to be, be signed for significantly less, it basically makes it like, oh, well, maybe this can happen after all. Like, maybe Sanu can be on the Falcons in 2020. Um, so I agree with you there. I, I think that is, like, an interesting possibility as we get into the weekend here. We'll see what they decide to do. But, um, yeah, if, that, if, if they do sign an outside guy to fill – that roster spot, it's almost certainly going to be Sanu. Um, so, man, Dimitrov finessed him out of a second round. <laughs> that be that would be the ultimate own. Yeah, I don't know how he did it, man. And and like Kevin and I were talking before the show, you know, it just it doesn't it doesn't it's it's a trade that all thirty two teams would have made, in my opinion. You know, to get a second rounder in return for a guy like Sanu. Nothing against Sanu. You know, I like, I, I really love the professionalism he brings to the game. You know, was he a star in Atlanta? Absolutely not. But he was a he was a nice compliment, especially on third down. You, can, you cannot, you know, you, you can't really draft something like that. You either have it or you don't. When it comes to making plays on third down and being that reliable in, you know, in, at that at the money, the money time, um, you know, he was that. So I don't I don't I don't I don't think Treadwell has really shown much to mm-hmm. warrant a roster spot. That's not saying they will, that's not saying they won't cut him. I don't know, it's up in the air. Yeah. But I will say this, I don't think it's solid right now, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Um yeah. and I do think they're gonna go to the extent to keep Roland and uh Zacchaeus on the roster. I think yeah, like yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think Roland and Zacchaeus are safe. Yeah, I think they're they're pretty safe. I think the only one right now who's maybe on the outside looking in is Treadwell. And again, mm-hmm. who else can fill that spot? You know, it's either and, Christian and, Blake or an outside guy, basically. No offense to Christian Blake, but no, nah, man, yeah. I don't think he's that rich. Wide receiver four in a dirt cutter scheme is <laughs> they're going to get targets. Right, it's a usable position. No, he's not. No, I mean, t- tight end three was getting red zone targets last year. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Speaking of Luke Stalker, I mean, great thing. Sanu is not going to come in and steal targets from Cat. 
Okay. Yeah. Hey, the, yeah. The, this is our chance to segue. This is our perfect segue to tight ends it. here. Yeah. Oh, my, yeah. my bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're great. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. You're on it. Yeah. Speaking of, yeah. we are on point right now. You can see. It. You can tell. Well, the players didn't have a preseason. We did. We're yeah. ready for now it. We spent our time preparing our segues for this show. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, speaking of tight end, like that's another one that's interesting because we have a lot of guys that are potentially in contention for a very small number of spots. Like this is a team that traditionally keeps three. Um, they briefly kept four under Kyle Shanahan, but it seems like they're going back to keeping three. So um, the first two are probably pretty much set in stone in terms of Hayden Hurst. You know, he's going to be the new Austin Hooper. Uh, Jaden Graham, probably the number two guy. Uh, behind him, it's a competition between Luke Stalker, who they recently brought back, uh, Kari Lee, the XFL standout, uh, who is always known as like a really good blocker, and then the undrafted free agent Jared Pinkney, who probably was someone people were expecting to get drafted on day three, um, has some upside as a receiver. Uh, so I guess to me, it's you know, what did the Luke Stalker signing mean? Did it mean that Pinkney and Kari Lee weren't impressing? Did it mean that they're keeping four? Um, you know, I'm not entirely sure. To I guess. My prediction would be that it, it meant that they kind of weren't as enthused about those guys as we hoped, so they wanted Stalker back. Um, but, you know, I'm open to, to getting your guys' interpretations of that. Eric, what do you think about that tight end group? You know, I, I think a lot is banking on Hayden Hurst this year. Yeah. Um, what he can do, and I'm pretty sure he's anxious to get out on the field and, and prove why he was a first-round pick for the Ravens. Um, and I, I see what they try, what they're trying to do with Hayden Hurst. Now, please don't take this quote and run with it and say <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm about to tweet it out right now. Hold on. Yeah. Anonymous sources. <laughs> but as soon as he was signed, I automatically thought to myself, they're trying to find a George Kittle prototype. Because you look at how George Kittle was effective in San Francisco. You look at how Travis Kelsey was last year. Hayden Hurst on the surface, text a few of those boxes that those guys have. Now, we don't know for sure if he's going to be that next star in the making as a tight end, but he's athletic, he's fast, he can line up outside, he can match up against you know linebackers, he can match up against corners, he can match up against safeties. I see what they're trying to do. I know Hooper was a, a reliable target last year, but Hooper doesn't bring the athleticism to the table that Hayden Hurst has. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and I see what they're trying to do now. If that guy, if he doesn't become George Kittle, it's not going to be a huge deal. But I see what type of dynamic they're trying to bring to the table. And and I think he, a lot in at that position is going to depend on what he does this year. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That is, that's, that, Hayden Hurst is, is going to be a big catalyst in how well this team plays. And Speaking of Hayden Hurst, do you have any thoughts on, on that spot, Keenan? <sighs> Where do I start? My, oh, my first problem is I read an article a little while ago and Dirk Cutter was making a comment to the effect of, well, we're trying to figure out how we want to use him and how how we going to use him. And I'm thinking to myself, well, damn, didn't y'all watch tape in offseason? You, you traded a second-round pick for him, right? <laughs> right. You know, you Cutter, traded a high Cutter has a problem of, of doing this. <laughs> you know, like y'all back to what I was talking about with the other tight ends. I believe they brought Stalker in because they haven't been impressed with those other two guys. Let's just be honest. You know, Stalker's familiar. Um, I would love to see the boy Pinkney. He's from Norcross, Gwinnett County kid. I would love to see him make it, but 
see, this is what sucks about not having the preseason. You can't watch anybody. We're going off of hearsay, and we can't watch it with our own eyes and make our own judgments, you know? But, you know, from the outside looking in, that's why they probably brought Stalker in. The mother two guys haven't been impressive. Pinkney has fallen a victim to what we saw last from him. That's what it is. He had a great junior year, but his senior year was pedestrian. Yeah. And he's fallen victim because of that. So, yeah. Go ahead, Adnan. Oh, I mean, I'm echoing you guys' sentiments. It's um, Luke Stalker probably was brought in because the other two guys, Kyrie Lee, wasn't uh, impressing. Jaden Graham I'm really excited for as uh, – as a tight end too. Maybe my favorite article that I wrote last year was this uh, profile on Jaden Graham making it uh, from a practice squad guy. And I think he was in the practice squad last year. He was one of the most impressive guys in the uh, not practice squad preseason standouts. I think he was in the practice squad last year, but one of the most impressive things about the preseason last year was Jaden Graham just like tearing it up. And yeah. it's always nice to see a guy like that just earn his way, earn his role on the team. He got Eric Zalbert traded for, I think, fifth or sixth round pick, mm-hmm. which was it's another, good. like, placing of the Patriots. <laughs> Where's Sauber? Yeah. Anyone know where Sauber is? He's Where's gone, Sauber? man. He, he's he's gone. I think he got cut a little while yeah. after that. <laughs> he's gone. Oh, did the Patriots cut him? I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure they did. Yeah, they cut him yeah. last wow. year, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, so uh, it's yeah. like, and Dimitrov's having his way with the Patriots since, uh, the, since the they Patriots had their way with us. They're going to stop coming to Atlanta, man. Uh, <laughs> They're like, all right, we're done. We're done with these guys. guys. Yeah. No more. We're not getting into more guys. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, um, Hayden Hurst, he, he's a popular breakout candidate for the team. He, he was a former first-round pick uh, with the Ravens. Couldn't really make it make his way on the field uh, behind the talented Mark Andrews down in Baltimore, and that's a run-heavy offense down there, or up there, excuse me. So, you know, there's a lot of targets that have been vacated with Austin Hooper's departure and with Mohamed Sanu, who had the first half of that season and all of those targets. Hayden Hurst has the opportunity to come in and fill the void. So now it's up to him to take that chance. Yeah. And we are just getting some breaking news. I wanted to cut in that uh, Fournette is signing with the Bucks. Oh, man. Why? <laughs> because they've, they've been hyping up Rojo, but... I just drafted Ronald Jones. Uh oh! Damn it! I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Come on, man. Yeah, I just dropped. I dropped a Rojo too. Yeah, I think Rojo's still gonna get work, but yeah, I mean, it's just that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't get that because Keyshawn Vaughn, their mid-round draft pick this year. I mean, there's a lot of similarities between all three of those guys. Right. I think they're understanding that maybe Keyshawn Vaughn just isn't very good. So, <laughs> like, sorry, Keyshawn Vaughn. I, I don't want to. I'm not trying to like you know step on Keyshawn Vaughn here, but you know I think I think I I would have gone in a different direction maybe with that pick. Uh, that that's my take, you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean Leonard Fournette and Keyshawn Vaughn, they're, they're kind of that same style of runner, like you're saying. So yeah, it's it's weird, it's weird, but uh, yeah. So that that was I just wanted to interject with that, but um, yeah, I mean I I like Kari Lee, the XFL tight end, but I mean it seems like he must not be all that impressive if they felt like they had to bring Luke Stalker back as a blocker. Um, so that makes me sad because I was excited about him, but it's possible, you know, Lee or Pinkney or both could end up on the practice squad uh, for a year or two because there's going to be 16 slots this year, so there's plenty of slots to go around. Um, yeah. Hey, because if they're happy with who they got, then they don't start. They don't add nobody. Else. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if, if Lee and or Pinkney's making the roster, they don't need to go out and sign 
Stalker, you know, to add. Like, it, it's if one of those guys is going to make the roster, it's just wasting Stalker's time. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if it's different, but we'll see at this point. All right. Offensive line, Keenan's specialty here. Uh, so, for it, it sounds like uh, that uh, Matt Hennessy, the rookie, has actually won the left guard battle, which is surprising. Um, you know, good for the rook uh, getting in there. Um, otherwise, it's going to be basically what we've you know, all head in pen, which is Jake Matthews at left tackle, Alex Mack at center, Chris Lindstrom at right guard, and then Caleb McGarry at right tackle. Um, that'll be your starting five with Hennessy at left guard. So that's an interesting one. Uh, it also sounds like Justin McCray has overtaken Matt Gono as the primary interior guy. He's going to be the number two center uh, from what we've heard. Um, might actually be a better guard also than James Carpenter. That, uh, we haven't been able to see in preseason, but that's the buzz I'm kind of getting from all this. Matt Gono, probably the swing tackle. And then I do think James Carpenter's still going to make the roster, but um, yeah, it's interesting. So Keenan, do you have any thoughts on, on that offensive line group and the Matt Hennessy winning left, uh, left guard? Uh, I like the fact that he won that job because we kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago. It seemed like that's where they were going because they had him and, uh, who do they have at the other spot? Um, they had him and Gono kind of going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, now here's the question. He's hurt. Who are they going to put in there at that spot now? Are they going to put let Gono go ahead and play it or let Carpenter go ahead and play it? I think because they're he comes back. Yeah. I think they're I think they're expe- I think they're expecting that they'll these guys will be ready for week I think, 1. I think but, they're yeah. hoping he comes back. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I mean Let's hope so. I mean, hey, they said it's a bone bruise in his knee, and, you know, it's going to be his first game. You know, you're going to go into the first game of the year with an injury like that? Right. Okay. Yeah. How long can he play? We'll yeah. see. We'll see. Hopefully hopefully it won't be too bad. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, I mean, I think they'll have Carpenter. I think they'll have Gono, and I think they'll have McCray. So one of those three guys will be the, the left guard if he's not ready to go. But, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see there. Yeah, I'm interested to see the progression of my guy Lindstrom and Kayla McGarry. You know, mm-hmm. on that holding down that right side. I'm. Mm, that's why I hate that there was no preseason because I really wanted to see how their chemistry came along and how they're playing together and communicating. You know, you know they're supposed to they're supposed to be a significant jump from your first year to your next year, and I can't wait to see you know how much of a jump they've made. You know, because yeah. you know they've had a year you know, uh, playing in the system and the communication, meaning all the calls. They've had a year of that under their belt. And that right there allows you to play faster and play with more confidence. So um, I can't wait to see those two. I think uh, Jake Matthews, I pray that Jake Matthews can, you know, get into the Pro Bowl again, you know, and this time as a starter and not an alternate, you know, because Jake is real solid. Alex Mack, hopefully he has a few more years for us. Um we got a nice old line, man. We got a nice old line. Yeah, yeah. I'm just interested to see how they play and how they mesh together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think health is the big thing because I think if these guys all stay healthy this year and play as a unit, like I think this has the potential to be a very good offensive line, uh, particularly if those guys on the right side get that second-year boost here that we're hoping for. Uh, Especially if they hit it on Hennessy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially if he comes in and plays well. He's going to have his struggles because he's a young guy, but good thing for him is he's got Alex – on the right and Jake on the left to kind of help him out, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and I believe also too, they can slide and give him a little bit more help 
you know, as far as like if he's one on instead of putting him out there in one on one situation, you know, let Chris and let Caleb go one on one a little bit. Hey, your first round picks, you know. Yeah, yeah. Get out there and make it, you know, make it happen, earn that money, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely excited to watch that development. Adnan, do you got any thoughts on how the offensive line is going to shake out? Uh, I don't think there's going to be too many surprises. I do think Matt Hennessy uh, has taken, prob- hopefully taken the reins of that left guard battle. That uh, could be one of the reasons why Jamon Brown was cut, because cutting him saves literally nothing, like $0 yeah. like saved. So it could be – Jamon Brown missed, uh, missed a few weeks of training camp. He had that illness that's not related to COVID, and then he had that concussion. Mm-hmm. So I think he fell behind enough to where the team was comfortable parting ways with him and just like getting that roster spot out of the way. And I think that was a vote of confidence to Matt Hennessy. Uh, other than that, you have McGarry and Lindstrom, who you're hoping can break out this season and take that next next step. That would be huge yeah. for the right side of that offensive line if they could. Alex Mack is a steady metronome at the center position. Uh, and then you have Jake Matthews, who, like uh, Keenan said, hopefully will make another Pro Bowl. He's, I think he he makes that ascension into firmly into that firm position of top ten tackle this season. I think he's maybe borderline. But, uh, you know, he's he's in the middle of his prime, and I think he can make another step in his career. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Eric, you have anything to add to this offensive line group here? You know, I think I think they're sipping the Kool-Aid a little bit about them starting a rookie right guard last year. And I think they're 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 drinking that Kool-Aid again with the left side. And I think that's, you know, they're nothing against Hennessy. I just think he's a better center than guard. Probably. I, Long term, he's a better center than guard, and I don't think, I honestly, don't believe Matt Gono got a fair shake in my opinion. Um, yeah, but Could at be. this point, we got to trust the judgment of the the team and the coaching staff and the, the scouts, and and you know see how it plays out going forward. Um, I hope Hennessy is successful there, but I just I just feel just you know from what I've seen on tape, I just feel he's better at center long term than right now as because it, it, it kind of sort of feels like he's a fill-in guard because we all know when mac retires he's going to slide there so my question is what's the contingency plan when that happens let's just say hypothetically mac is gone in 2021 and hennessy is a starter what's the plan there at left guard right yeah justin mccrane <laughs> i hope not maybe yeah they got <laughs> pick for Sanu. Right. But, I mean, are they are they going? You could find your first round guard that falls to the second round. Are they, are they, yeah, are they going into your offensive line early again for the, you know, third year in a row? Like, I mean, how, what are what are they planning on doing with that? Because right. this, this doesn't, I don't get the vibes that Hennessy is going to be the, you know, long-term starter at left guard. I just think he's playing the best at left guard right now. Right, yeah. Giving him a job. Yeah, I mean, he's the future center, so it will be interesting to see, like, because free agency money might be pretty limited next year. Exactly. So exactly. it might have to be another early draft pick. Another uh, interior, yeah. So, so they're, they're going to start another rookie again next year. <laughs> perpetually year. just starting rookies, but, you know, we make right. it work. What's up, Evan? Welcome in to the uh, – Oh, did I miss it? No, no, you're still here. We're still here, yeah. brother. Yeah, you, you know, we, we, we're, we're going to go, you know, way, way over time as we, as we always do. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, with Evan joining us, uh, let's move over to the defense. We're going to talk about the edge group. 
we'll let Evan kick us off here. But uh, the five edges I have making the roster right now, uh, Dante Fowler Jr., big surprise. Tech McKinley, big surprise. Uh, Alan Bailey, third guy. Uh, Steven Means is my fourth edge. You can play a little uh, against the run-in pass. And then I do have Charles Harris making it, um, though it seems like his spot is not safe. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Evan, do you have any thoughts on, on that edge group or any guys you might th- think might uh, switch out? No, I mean, that sounds pretty good. Um, is Mariner technically a defensive tackle? Yeah, technically. Oh, okay. That, so that would have been... Um, you're listing... What? You're listing... Um, Kaminsky as a interior guy too. Yeah, yeah, that's what the, that's yeah. what they said he is. So. I mean, the only one who really would have a chance outside of that is, I guess, undrafted uh, Austin Edwards. Yeah, who well, it um, seems like they like. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's you know, that's really the only uh, question I'd have there. But it sounds pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah. You got anyone else have uh, takes on that edge group? Uh, I think other guys could factor in there. Um, I, you know, it's just, I, mm, man, there's a lot of hope with that group. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> there's really, there's really no like, okay, they got a solid group. We know what they can bring to the table. This is what they're going to roll with. This is more of like, man, I hope these guys hit their potential this year. Right. Or it can be another, it can be another ugly year at edge. Yeah. I mean, like Fowler's going to be fine. Uh, Alan Bailey is going to play well against the run probably. But outside of that, it's like, well, I'm hoping Tack is, is going to play well. And then I'm hoping, I'm yeah. hoping too. I'm uh, hoping too. But yeah, yeah, I mean that, that's a difficult one, difficult spot to be in. Yeah. I, I yeah. Like I said, banking on potential there, but I, I think, I think they, they're going to be fine. I, I don't know if Fowler's going to be lighten it up this year like he did last year in LA. I think he benefited a little bit from playing next to Aaron Donald, but I think he's going to give him a solid year. And I, I think we honestly believe we might see the best year from Tack. Like he's he's lost what well, he's lost what 30 something pounds maybe? Tack is ripped up right now, man. Yeah. He looks like he ought to be standing on the stage yeah. getting he's the sand down. down. Yeah. He's down to two forty. So I mean we might see we might see a really motivated tack this year. I, I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah, I'd be into that. I'd be into that for sure. Because uh, this is his chance. He's got to make his money here. They didn't. They did the opposite of Vic Beasley. They didn't pick up his fifth year option. They said, "All right, you got to go earn it." And you and know, maybe we're seeing, maybe we're seeing that this actually, you know, not giving people money before they've earned it uh, actually maybe maybe is a smart idea. Uh, he took it who, as a slap in the face. Yeah, who would have known? I'll believe. I'll believe it when I see it with Tuck. He he's tricked me too many times. Yeah. So I mean I I hope he I hope he balls out, but yeah. it's one of those where I, I'm I'll believe it when I see it. Like yeah. get to the quarterback, not a step late, get to him like on time and like put him on the ground. Yeah, and we'll we'll see. Yeah, it's yeah. like Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's taking that first step, you know, losing that weight that kind of shows hey he was committed to putting in some kind of work this off season, you know, yeah. so he yeah. could. You know, get a little oh, bit more yeah. speed and get there a little bit faster, be a little bit more durable, you know, so. Definitely durable. Definitely. Yeah. So, so, I mean, he wasn't playing basketball this off season. <laughs> he was doing something. He, he, he was, was yoga, he Pilates, just, or something. He, his whole, I mean, his whole thing was he doesn't, he never developed a repertoire, and I, and I figured he would, but he didn't. He depended on a bull rush for the most part, and at 240, he's probably going to have to check that bull rush at this point. 
He's gonna have to. He's gonna have to get crafty with the hands, dude. Because you maybe that get... was maybe that's what he was working on. You know, hey, you, I gotta see his Maybe I can't rely on my power. Let me get a get me a couple quick moves. I you mean, know, at two forty, you're not gonna be able to bull rush Trent Williams back. To the I'm just saying, bro. Yeah. Right, you know, yeah, yeah. Right, switch it up right there. Yeah, I mean, that might have taken him out of his comfort zone a little bit and forced him to do yeah. learn some different stuff, which I think would be helpful to his overall skill set. But uh, yeah, I mean, if if edges questions, I think defensive tackle is where a, the pass rush could be saved because uh, obviously Grady Jarrett is amazing. Um, Tyler Davison's a very good run defender. And then they just have a ton of guys that I think are are really potentially going to be strong pass rushers, like Marlon Davidson, second round pick, high expectations obviously for him. But John Kaminsky, I think, is is the guy that we should be watching for his for a breakout season because, I mean, his athletic ability is truly special. I mean, I don't think people realize that this man ran a four under a four seven at two hundred and eighty six pounds, like. I think he ran like a four six eight or something, and almost a seven second flat three cone, which is just absurd for someone who's two hundred and eighty six pounds. Um, and you know, obviously had a little bit of a, a struggle adjusting to the NFL because he was playing at Division two Charleston. But um, you know, in his second year now, he's been one of the players that's been kind of universally praised at camp. Um, I just think he's a guy that could really surprise, and that maybe the interior is the strength of the Falcons' pass rush in twenty twenty. Uh, that could save things. And then my hot take is that Deidre Sanat is going to be cut. So I don't know how you guys feel about yeah. that. But What the hell is going on with that, man? <laughs> man, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. What is, I, I, that's what, what I think. Yeah. I don't, he, doesn't, he, don't, he don't get on the field a whole lot, does he? I always no. see him in street clothes come game day. This is such a bizarre – it's such a bizarre out, outcome, man. Like, I don't I don't get it. What is – is he – is he just not in shape? Is he – in the doghouse? What I mean, is it? He's been in the doghouse for like two or three years if he is. But for what? I just, I well, if you look at the The pic- only thing I can think of is that he might, like I, I've seen him on occasion, he might be a little undersized, you know, as far as his height, you know, so, but that's, you know, I don't know about his strength, you know, like when you're short like that, you got to have incredible strength and incredible burst, so maybe he's just been lacking in that. I mean, Grady, Grady, Grady isn't the biggest guy either. But Grady right. was a good athlete. But Grady plays with great strength. Yeah, and right, right, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, I mean, it's just, well, I, okay, I don't, it, that may be the case. That may be the case where he just needed a year yeah. to get his, you know, hit that NFL weight room and get his strength up. I don't know. But even, even after that year, coming into this training camp, you thought he would have been a lot more motivated, but it don't even, it don't even look like that, man. I, I don't I don't get it. It's no. very oh, 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 all right, guys. Who who is a worse Thomas Dimitrov third round pick, Sanat or Desmond Southward? Definitely Desmond Southward. Southward. Definitely Southward. Desmond. Absolutely. <laughs> Sanat played well his wait, rookie wait, wait, year. Hold on, yeah. Wait, Duke was a third rounder as well. Yeah, but, well, like Duke at no. least played at some level. Desmond Southward was just a disaster. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember a single good play that Desmond Southward made. I'm sorry. Oh, what, that, play yeah, Duke Riley, what play Duke Riley made? Duke Riley had that one play where he shut down that screen. I'm pretty sure uh, that might have been the only play that I remember. But Duke he Riley had that had one. Play. 
Yeah, hey, Duke, Duke Riley can fish his ass off, boy. <laughs> yeah, wasn't he? He had that video where he was pulling the truck, right? I mean, yeah, he, yeah, he had that video where he pulled the truck. Oh, and Falcon's Twitter, Falcon's Twitter was like, "This is the next Dion. This is the next <laughs> Pro Bowler." Everybody the truck. an all-pro linebacker at that point. They were like, "Yo, but they got a steal." Yeah, like he's pulling the truck. Plus, <laughs> think about it. We at least we got something for Riley in a trade. I mean, the guy did end up like, you know having season-ending injury the uh, same game, but I don't think we'd get anything for Sanat if we traded him. No. No, that's the thing. Like, Sanat, like, at the time, we all thought they needed a defensive tackle, so I think we were all like, oh, yeah, Sanat, it makes a lot of sense. But And, like, his rookie year, he actually did play, and he graded out, like, well, according to Pro Football Focus. Like, he graded out as, like, a solid starter. And then his second year, they decided, like, Sanat was drafted to be a run-stuffing nose tackle, and that's fine, and that's kind of the role he played. But then in 2019, they signed Tyler Davison to be the nose tackle, so that meant that tackle, Sanat yeah. was not going to play. And if you look at Sanat, it's like this is a weird nose tackle. He's way undersized, and he's not athletic. He he's really good at using his leverage, so he's kind of like a great like a, a, an unathletic Grady Jarrett. Um, and he's always has just gotten by with his really good strength and and leverage ability. But like that's not always enough in the NFL. And then. Like, the, the Falcons draft athletes, so drafting Sanat, who was a really poor athlete by his testing, was also kind of puzzling to me. But it's like, I just don't, I don't really get the pick in hindsight, because it does, It seems like they wanted a traditional nose tackle, which they got the next year. And if he was supposed to be the nose tackle, and they just went out and signed somebody else, despite him playing well, it's like, well, why did you draft him in the first place? Like, I just don't get it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But, um, like, I feel like, Silosi Latu is a better fit for what they want from their nose tackle. So, like, you know, why would they keep Sanat, who's way undersized for traditional nose tackle, over someone like Silosi Latu, who's not undersized in, in the slightest? He's like, you know, Paul Solii size. So, uh, it just, it's just, it's confusing to me. Um, I don't know if it's like a doghouse thing or like a, he just doesn't, they just made a mistake and they, they drafted the wrong player for what they were looking for thing, but. I feel like he needs a fresh start. He'll probably get it elsewhere. Uh, but, yeah, that that's my hot take for that position. So the cutting him would leave how many? I have four making it. Uh, it would be Grady, oh, Grady, Tyler Davison, Marlon Davidson, and John Kaminsky is my four. So that gives them nine defensive linemen total. Hey, I think that John Kaminsky could possibly play inside a little bit. Too oh, he's going because, to, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned his speed, but, you know, I've seen him up close, and he's a pretty thick individual. Oh, yeah. He's thick yeah. like Patrick Kearney, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, when I saw him last year as a rookie, I was like, man, okay, this joker here, he could play, you know, like that three technique on passing downs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Get inside on the guard and match up pretty good because he's got really good length and – and I've been told he's about 295 pounds now, yeah, yeah. so hopefully he hasn't lost any speed. He's what, 6'5"? So, yeah. Yeah, he's about 6'5". Yeah, he's big. Yeah, he's a legit 6'5". He, he, yes, can, he, can, he can clog some passing lanes. Yeah, yeah, buddy. yeah, yeah. Give, give, hey, and he can give Grady a break mm-hmm. on certain downs, too. You know what I mean? Playing that three technique. Early yeah. downs, yeah. yeah. Yeah, early downs, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Like, I, I do think that Kaminsky's going to play primarily defensive tackle this year. Um just because they seem to have like an abundance of outside guys and not a lot of inside guys. So I think we're going to see Kaminsky a lot on the inside. Same with like Marlon Davidson. We may see some of them on the outside too, like as like base, base end, you know, strong side guys. Uh, 
they have Alan Bailey for that, so it's like I don't know how much of that we'll see. But I, I think I think Kaminsky is like athletic enough that he could be two hundred ninety five pounds, line up on the outside, and still get pressure off the edge. Like that's how athletic he is. So um, mm-hmm. I'm just interested to see what they do there with that. Right, or they could line up in a bear, what they call a bear front, mm-hmm. uh, where you got the three inside guys covered, and you know you're trying to get a one on one with somebody where mm-hmm. whether it's Grady, you know, on one of the guards or. Um, or Kaminsky on one of the other guards, or even hopefully, you know, somebody on the center. Maybe it's, uh, who is it? What's the kid's name? Uh, Marlon Davidson. Yeah, yeah. And you stick uh, Tack out on the edge and stick Dante out on the edge. They got five on five. Mm-hmm. Who are you going to double team? Nobody. Right. You know, so, hey, one of y'all better get free and get the sack. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could definitely see them doing that and going like a 5-1-5 or something like that yeah. uh, alignment. With like Dion as the linebacker, that could be interesting for sure. I, I got to be honest, man. I, I don't feel overly comfortable with the depth. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. That's why. That's why I think Silosi Latu is going to be the pre- like. They're probably going to keep Jacob Tuati Mariner and Silosi Latu as like practice squad guys, and one of those guys is probably going to be one of those extra call up roster guys on a weekly basis, just because they, you know, they probably want more defensive line depth but that's like and like the other thing is like alan bailey can play on the interior too if needed so it's like he kind of provides a little bit more depth there but yeah I, they're gonna keep they're probably only gonna keep nine defensive linemen and it's like just kind of how they how they split that up is gonna be interesting but uh, yeah it's, it's a lot of pass rushers but in terms of definitely. run defenders yeah definitely yeah in terms of run like, defenders i think, I think earlier you know you were talking uh earlier eric about uh Fowler coming from the Rams and how he might do, I think he'll still do pretty good, you know, because he's playing next to Grady and there's been talks of Grady being a poor man's Aaron Donald, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I I just I just hope that Fowler doesn't hit that, that wall where he had a great year playing next to an exceptional player and now he's getting more attention because of it. Like, right. I, I hope, I, I, right. I just I just I have confidence in him. I think he can be able to get it done in this scheme. I think the scheme is tailor made for what he brings to the table. But I'm just, I'm just concerned because if it doesn't work out with Dante, then what? Like, really, <laughs> there's no it, third yeah. edge. Yeah, yeah Tag's right. got to help him out. You're yeah. definitely he's, right. Tag's got to help, help him out. out. Over like, there. there's, there's no. It's, it's not even a situation like it is in San Fran where you know you had Bosa, but if, if Bosa had an off game, then you know you had. Uh, we had D Ford, or you had um, Buckner, or you, like it's just they had yeah. options. Right Mark now, Armstead, it, like everybody. You know? Yeah, it's just now it's like, man, if Dante is not the guy, oh yeah. boy, yeah. it's gonna be a long year, man. They yeah. need. Tag's got to help him out. Yeah, he's got to. Grady got to help him out, and plus that new nose, whoever that's gonna be. He's got right. to. We're not. We're not talking about fifteen sacks. We don't need fifteen sacks. Yeah, we just if you can get him a get an eight, eight and a half, nine, and consistently you know, get some pressures, then yeah, they, yeah, I'll take that to the bank every day. Yeah. All right. Time constraints. We got to move on. I, this was a great discussion. I just want to move on. So we make sure to get to all the position groups, but linebackers, the next one, this one's pretty simple. Uh, Deion Jones, Foyasada, Olawokan going to be the top two guys. Michael Walker, the rookie surprisingly has been like one of the most impressive players in training camp. So he's going to have a role, I assume. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's going to be the Sam for sure, but I don't know if he's going to rotate in to some nickel stuff as well. We'll see there. Um, 
The fourth guy almost certainly will be Dion Buchanan as that kind of versatile uh, nickel defender slash like kind of DB linebacker hybrid. That's kind of what he's played his whole career, and he fits. He's a better fit in this scheme than he is in most other schemes because the Falcons don't really care about size in the linebacking core. Um, and then the fifth spot is really the only spot where there's a debate, and it's between uh, special teams guy Leroy Reynolds, who the team apparently loves his like leadership ability and his veteran savvy that he's bringing, um, or Edmund Robinson, who probably has a little bit more upside as far as like actual defense. Um, but again, does he provide the leadership that they're looking for from that final spot? Uh, so I'm, I have Reynolds making it just because the reports seem to be emphasizing that like Reynolds brought all this energy to the group and they really like that. So Dan Quinn strikes me as the guy that really cares about that stuff. So he'd probably, and it's the fifth linebacker. So it's like, okay, like who cares? But uh, I like Evan Robinson. So like, I hope he makes it to the practice squad at least, but yeah, that that's where I'm at. What do you guys think about that spot? Um, I think Reynolds makes it because he's, he's a standout in special teams. He's always been a big-time special teams contributor, and I remember he was making plays last preseason in special teams. Um, Michael Locker, I'm excited for it. You know, it's just been nothing but rave reviews from him in training camp, and you know that we need it. Uh, Fourth-round pick, I tweeted it out a few weeks ago, and it's still very premature, but it could be another one of those guys who's just an absolute steal under the Dan Quinn regime in the mid-rounds. You know, joining hopefully the likes of Grady Jarrett, um, um, Demonte Casey, Boyola, and a lot of those guys who were taken on day three of the draft, who, who ended up becoming like big time contributors onto the defense, and you know that's how that's how great defenses are made. Even though the Falcons' defense hasn't been great just yet, but it's not. It would be a lot worse and a lot more catastrophic if not for guys like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that group's pretty simple. Like, it's basically, do you value special teams or do you value, you know, possible defensive upside? And I think Reynolds is probably the safer pick there. But uh, anybody else have takes on, on that spot? Um, I think we might see – I think we might see something like Deion Buchanan this year. Yeah. I, I think there has some left in the team. And um, I, I think he is going to force his way on the field somehow. Michael Walker has been tremendous in training camp, um, and, and I like his future, but I, I keep an eye out on the veteran. I, I think Buchanan is going to see a lot more looks than we did. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. I definitely think he fits this scheme a lot better than the other ones he's been on the last couple of years, so that could give him an opportunity to kind of revive his career a bit. Um, so corner is another really interesting one. Falcons have added a lot of bodies here this offseason. AJ Terrell obviously being the big one. Uh, he's He's been arguably the most impressive player in training camp, so that's always what you want to hear about your first-round pick. Uh, so that's great news on that front. He'll be the QB, uh, the CB1, I mean, at least as far as we know. Uh, Darquise Denard, the free agent signing, uh, going to man the slot and probably give us our, the best slot play we've seen since, like, Brian Poole in his prime. Uh, so that's exciting. Um, at the other corner spot, it looks like it's going to be uh, a combination of Isaiah Oliver and Kendall Sheffield, depending on the matchup. At least that's what we were hearing over the last week in camp. They were kind of rotating. And then for me, I have two veteran de- guys making it as depth. Uh, Bleedy Ray Wilson is the obvious one because he just has always been solid and called upon, can play both spots. Uh, and then Josh Hawkins, super athletic NFL experience. Despite only playing a handful of seasons, Josh Hawkins actually has played in five playoff games. So that that's valuable experience. Uh, he's also super athletic. I think he ran like a 4-3 
Um, so I think I think they like him. And then it goes without saying that Jordan Miller is not going to be in roster conversation for the for the first three weeks because he'll be suspended. Uh, but there's a chance, you know, that one of these guys gets displaced for Jordan Miller in week four uh, if they want to bring him back to the roster. So I will open the floor now to anyone that wants to weigh in on the, the cornerback competition. I, I love I love the depth, and I think potential, this can be the best position on a team, honestly. Mm-hmm. Even with receiver and forward, I think this, this can be – this can be a, a, definitely the best position on defense um, when it's all said and done, if everyone hits their stride. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's exciting. Like, I think they have a, a legit, like, shutdown guy in the slot in Darquise Dinar, which they haven't had. Absolutely. Yep. Um, you know, I think doing a rotation of Oliver and Sheffield is really smart because we've seen that teams have been able to kind of pick on Oliver by putting him up on the, the fast, shifty guys. Uh, and we also know that Sheffield doesn't have great size. So what do you do? You switch them out. You play matchups. You let Sheffield line up on the Tyreek Hills because Kendall Sheffield might be the fastest guy on the team. Um, and you let Isaiah Oliver cover Mike Evans and don't force you know these guys to cover guys they're not meant to cover. Um, and I, I agree. I think the depth is really solid too. Quite, this might be like the most drastic change over the course of the offseason. Like I remember early on, it was like this is the this, the the group that is the most concerned going into training camp, and then now you look at it and it's like, oh, this might be the strongest position on the defense. So it's pretty crazy. And I like that that they strengthen that unit because that only helps the guys up front that's rushing the passer. You know, you can hold up a little bit longer back there and give those guys a second or two extra you know, for that move to work for them so they can get that pressure, get that sack, and, you know, get Drew Brees on his ass so we can go on ahead and beat they behind, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. I, the, the coverage, like, they work hand-in-hand. Hand. Like, it, it's important for both to be good uh, to have success. Yep. Uh, I, think, I think those new guys, that that's I think that's the key for uh, for our two edge rushers who we, we was talking about earlier. I think that's the key for them uh, – you know, being able to get there is how long we can hold up back there. And, you know, because let's be honest, you know, um, there's going to be some games, those guys, they're going to be playing against some tackles and it's going to take a little bit of time to get there. It might take about the second half before they really start being effective. And those DBs, they got to hold up and, you know, let those guys up front work their moves and figure out, okay, you know, I don't need to do this. I need to work that on them, you know, because they might come in with a certain game plan and it doesn't work, and now they got to figure something else out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Also, real quick, man, I want to add, I'm, I'm proud of A.J. Terrell this training camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He came in, you know, he wasn't the most popular guy in the room because of, you know, his national championship game, but he came in and he held his own against Julio and Calvin Ridley. I, I, I'm proud of him for that. Yeah, yeah, he's proved himself, uh, and it, it, it's hard to live up to expectations as a first-round pick. It just, it just is. Um, right. So to have him do that and be one of the most impressive players in training camp, that's a great sign at this point. So I'm excited to see what he brings. All right, last position group, safety. Uh, we've got three guys that have been locks since day one. Obviously, Keanu Neal uh, at strong safety. And then we've got Ricardo Allen and DeMonte Casey at free safety. Don't exactly know how that rotation is going to shake out. They're both going to have big roles. Um, more interestingly is, like, who's the backup strong safety? It, it seems like with the signing of J.J. Wilcox um, that the team was was looking for more of a, 
more of like a veteran option to back him up as opposed to the rookie Jalen Hawkins. You know, Hawkins missed the beginning of training camp with, uh, you know, being on the COVID list. So I have J.J. Wilcox making it as the primary backup and then Jalen Hawkins is the fifth safety and he'll kind of be worked in. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on how that group might work out? This might actually, we've been talking about it for a while, but this might actually be the year we see that three safety look. Yeah, finally. <laughs> it seemed like we've been talking about that ever since like 2016 or something. Yeah, yeah. This might be the year we see it. They implemented a lot in practice, and they're going to have to, in my opinion, to be honest with you. And they can get exotic with it, man. I I, I watch too much football, man. I really do. <laughs> they, they can get exotic with it because they can they can take Keanu, slide Keanu down as sort of like a, like a, a, a viper, a striker, a weak side linebacker, still keep, you know, KZ and Allen as your safety. I mean, not, not Allen. As, uh, K, yeah, KZ and Allen as your safety, your, your free safety, your strong safety. They can get exotic with it. You still have a three safety look. Or you can you can get a little exotic with the coverage, have three safeties and two corners out there, still still run variation to cover three there. They, they got to get funky with it. Yeah. You got to get it. Yeah. Just do whatever you can do, you know. Mm -hmm. All right. Here's my question for you, though. With that, if they keep those three guys in there, then that means they got to take somebody out up front. So, Tack, Grady, Dante, they better get there. You know what I mean? That's that's my, that, that, you know what? I'm glad you said that. That means y'all better get there. Okay. That's what that means. (laughs) That's been a problem the past few years. That's been a what? That's been a problem the past few years. It has been. It has been. But I think, but. I think with what they're going to see from NFC teams, having a guy out there, no, nothing against Oluwokan, but having a guy like Keanu out there at a weak side linebacker or just an extra safety out there on the field, he can match up against tight ends, definitely. You see a lot of three three receivers set you know, um, with, with the extra tight end out there on the field. I mean, you see a lot of that. I think their coverage, their their schemes, it has to be mixed up a little bit, man. And they're they're not going to have much of a choice this year because they got somebody. KZ to me, KZ is good enough to not be riding the bench. Guys, t- oh, there's no way KZ's riding the bench. He's a turnover waiting to happen. Yeah, Allen, yeah. another coach on the field. And again, how can you trim back the the playing time of a guy like Keanu Neal? I mean, just having him out there intimidates the opposing you know opposing players. And, and the thing about KZ, exactly. Mm-hmm. The thing about KZ is last season they tried to make that they tried to get cute with it. With you know, you understand Ricardo Allen's back, Keanu Neal is back. They went away from what worked. What worked was KZ as a free safety and the thing that DeMonte Casey did as a free safety a couple years ago was leave the league in interceptions and last year they tried to like put him in that slot corner role and you could tell that he just wasn't comfortable in it and then when he went back to free safety after the injuries happened he thrived once again mm-hmm. yeah it, that just seems like his, his that's where he's comfortable in. don't fight it you know don't fight it like just let, let him play where he's comfortable Hey, here's my question is, is Joe Witt Jr. and Raheem Morris, are they going to be allowed to do those different exotic coverages? Because y'all know Dan Quinn, he's ride or die with that four guys up front. We just going to rush forward. We're going to drop these other guys, you know, cover two, baby. You know, yeah. our guys are better than yours. Is he going to 
let that go yes. and let that happen. I think so. I think it will. Yeah, I, I think it, I think so. I think Joe Witt, the signing of Joe Witt, to me, is is signaling that they know they needed to do something different in the secondary. They know they had to cut to quit this, you know, let's play sides, let's just put our guys out there and let the offense dictate everything to us. Like, that, that's... That stuff don't don't work anymore. <laughs> like you can't let the offense dictate the matchup in, in today's NFL unless you want to get burned. And um, you know I, I think Raheem Morris is more open to those types of coverages. I think Joe Witt Jr. is a guy that's that's you know I think basically what we've seen with them rotating Isaiah Oliver and Kendall Sheffield is telling us that they're going to start playing matchups more. And um, I think that's great. <laughs> I think that's right. a good idea. Hey, well, they better be flexible in case those four guys up front don't get there because then it's like, all right, we got to get creative. Right, yeah. I totally agree. So I'm hopeful there. I think that uh, they'll be a little bit more flexible with that. Let's play cover three every snap, and maybe we'll press and maybe we'll play off, but we're playing cover three. So, you know, uh, teams teams sniff that out eventually, especially when you play sides. So uh, we'll see how that, that works out. But we're, like, drastically over time, so I want to make sure I give folks enough time to plug their stuff here start with keenan uh keenan's on twitter at k4065 anything else you're working on you want to let the people know about um i just would like to encourage everybody to get out and socially distance and support this local football going on you know uh these kids they work hard in the off season um some of them are playing for a lot you know they want to go to school um get out there support them you know i'm gonna go Support my guy, Lyndon Cooper from Carrollton. <laughs> Going to go support him in the Corky on Saturday. Good luck, Lyndon. Uh, and uh, go support some college football as well. I'm going to go support Jamari Salyer, Georgia. Um, man, just uh, Christmas is almost here, y'all. So. <laughs> yep, it's tantalizingly close. It is. We're, we're almost there. Uh, can't wait. And uh, also with us tonight... Briefly, Evan Birchfield, uh, thanks for, for coming in. I know you had a, another engagement earlier, so we appreciate you stopping in. Uh, Evan's on Twitter, at the easy to remember Evan Birchfield. Anything you're working on you want to plug? Um, no, I'm just – I currently I'm doing that kind of silly uh, Madden simulation, and it's kind of gone off the rails. <laughs> um, like Laquan Treadwell has through six games, I think. He's got nine touchdowns. It's just like <laughs> – That happens but, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just fun. Um, so, anyways, the first part's on there now. Uh, the second part comes out tomorrow. And then Monday's the third part, which is the f- last of the season. And then uh, there will be a playoff one if they make it. So, Very cool. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. It's fun diversion for the last week without real football. Check out some fake football. Uh, oh, thank God! Thank God, there's a season because we'd be writing full articles about each of those games. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we'd have you know dueling simulations and like statistical analyses of Madden. So uh, let's just pray that that never comes to fruition. Our our Falcoholic <laughs> deep you know deep deep backup content yep. plan never that, never sees that, the light of day. Yeah. That was legitimately in the works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, was it, was like, it was legitimately in the works where yep. we were going to do press-like releases for each of those games yep. if there wasn't a season. If we got to like month 10 oh, and there yeah. was nothing going on. Yep, so that was the break glass in case of emergency content. content. So um, yeah, we will hope that those never have to be written, but we are prepared for all scenarios. Also with us tonight, Eric Robinson, at underscore Eric underscore Robinson on Twitter. Eric, anything you're working on you want to plug? No, I'm not working on anything right now, to be honest with you. I'm sorry. Working up your appetite for football. I know that sounds unprofessional, (laughs) but no, I'm not working on anything right now. I'm ready. Hey, hey, 
Like I told Evan, I, I would say that uh, you don't want Dave to hear you, but he doesn't watch the show anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, after he cut our funding, you know, for for our comments, you know, he stopped, you know, listening to the show too. So we don't have to worry yeah. about that. But. After Evan beat him in uh in, in Falcons trivia, yeah, he yeah. just cut our funding for it. Exactly, poor guy. So, <laughs> also with us on that note, Adon Ikich at Say Which Way on Twitter. Uh, Adon, anything you're working on? You want to let the people know about? Uh, setting up some uh, roundtables that all of the writers are uh, participating in. Looking at uh, the latest one was looking at who the breakout players were going to be for the 2020 season. Um, we'll move forward, probably do one on who the team MVP is going to be, best impact rookie, and finally one, of course, detailing what our season predictions are before the season gets going. So be on the lookout for those. Absolutely, guys. Check that out. I'm Kevin Knight on Twitter, at Falcoholic Kevin. Uh, my roster projection came out today. Uh, that's going to be the final one, so you can check that out. Um, I'll have a few more player profiles up until Saturday. We're going to get Luke Stalker in because he joined late. And then I, get, I can't leave out the long snapper, uh, Josh Harris. He's going to get one. He deserves one. Uh, but, yeah, those will be the last two probably. Uh, sorry I was, if you're an undrafted guy who happens to be watching. Sorry if I didn't get to you. I believe I got to, like, 70. So there's, I think, maybe 10 more undrafted guys I didn't get to. But, um yeah, I apologize. But, yeah, that was a fun series, so you can check those out. Uh, you know, almost everyone on the roster has been written up at this point. So uh, that's some fun content if you're if you're desperate for something to get you through the final week. But um, we will be going back to weekly shows now. Uh, so starting uh, with this coming week, we'll be back every week because uh, the season's here. That's exciting stuff. Uh, if you're not already subscribed to the channel, uh, definitely do that, and you'll get notifications when we go live on Wednesdays and then also for the post-game shows. Uh, also, we're happy to announce that the, the show will be available as an audio-only podcast once again. That will start with this show. It'll be available, I think, on the same platforms you get the Falcoholic podcast. It'll be as a part of that same feed, so you don't have to follow a whole new podcast. You just look for Falcoholic Live episodes there. So it's very simple, very easy, and if you you know can't catch the live show a week, uh, you know, you're welcome to, to listen listen in your phone, listen on your in your car, or whatever you want to do. Uh, those will be available uh, starting now. So we're excited for the season. We'll catch you guys next week as we get to preview week one. So it's, uh, exciting times. Football's finally back. Uh, I am ready. I'm ready. So, uh, for all of us here, thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next week when we have real football to talk about. All right.